Welcome to Call to Action, a School Sisters of Notre Dame Central Pacific Province podcast. During the second season of Call to Action, I will be joined by my co-host, Sister Anna Marie Reha, who is currently serving on the Central Pacific Province Provincial Council. Together, we will be exploring the Shalom topic, gospel nonviolence, and just peace. Each episode, we will discuss the meaning of gospel nonviolence and just peace, along with the corporate stance, which was established by the School Sisters of Notre Dame in order to continue to pursue just peace and invite lay colleagues and friends to join them. We look forward to exploring this topic together. Welcome to Call to Action. Great being with you again, Sister Anna Marie, as we continue exploring the topic of gospel nonviolence and just peace. I'm looking forward to having Sister Paul Mary Draxler with us for today's episode. Oh, so am I, Caitlin. You know, Sister Paul Mary is an amazing woman. Um, she is not only very knowledgeable, but she is a delightful person. Uh, I really do consider her one of my mentors who I admire greatly for all, all she does and who she is. And I tell you, Caitlin, this is a woman who never slows down. That is wonderful. So before we begin, what have you been reflecting on these past few weeks? Well, since our last podcast, where Sister Alice spoke about developing a moral framework for gospel nonviolence and just peace, you know, I was thinking about how a moral framework is understood as, you know, a set of rules, ideas, and beliefs which we use in order to deal with problems or to decide what to do. So I was thinking about Jesus's moral framework. And, and really with that framework, war can never be justified. And I'm called to live just peace as active peace. Well, and I, I found myself remembering a scripture um, from the first book of Peter, where it says, I am called not to return evil for evil or insult for insult, but instead give blessing. So I've been reflecting on that. So how do I give blessing in my everyday life? I hope I don't throw insults in people's faces, but I, I might think about them now and again. And so I've been trying to instead send out a blessing. Um, that's not always easy, but I'm trying. What about you, Caitlin? That is wonderful. And honestly, something I do try to teach my kids, but not in such a beautiful way. Just the idea of blessings. It's perfect. For me, I've been thinking a lot about the words, I can't. My three-year-old and five-year-old say, I can't almost every five minutes. It can be very frustrating. I want to be able to help them with whatever they are struggling to do, but in order for them to learn, they need to try to do it themselves. After trying, they are usually able to do it. It takes them trying to realize that they can do it. This idea of I can't is stuck in our minds and it affects everything around us. This is such a negative saying. If any one of us wants to make change, we need to always think I can. We all need to stay positive and work towards love and gospel nonviolence and just peace with that attitude. Caitlin, that reminds me of one of my favorite books from my childhood. A little engine that could, familiar with it, it's a story of the little blue engine who agrees to pull a larger train up over a mountain, a, a seemingly impossible task. And the engine succeeds while repeating its motto, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. And so when you say that, I, it's a good reminder of the value of optimism and hard work and and a reminder that I can be a person of gospel nonviolence and just peace and I can work positively positively toward that love that you speak of. 
What a great saying, I think I can. Maybe I will tell my girls to start saying that to themselves. I agree. It is a great reminder. Well, let's begin. Welcome, Sister Paul Mary. Thank you. I am pleased to have the opportunity to be with you. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I came from a farm between Marshfield and Hewitt, Wisconsin. And in Hewitt, I attended the same school that Mother Ambrosia did a few years later. So who is Mother Ambrosia? Mother Ambrosia was a school sisters of Notre Dame Superior General. She's the person who instigated changes after Vatican II. Number one, she first moved our general aid from Bavaria to, to Rome. Then she encouraged changes to our rule, you are sent, and finally to our habit. Wonderful. Can you explain a little bit more about your history then? Oh, surely. After I finished school in Hewitt, I entered the School Sisters of Notre Dame in 1947. I began my ministry as a primary teacher and eventually became an administrator. And over the past 15 years or so, I have volunteered and really dedicated myself to justice and peace issues. That is wonderful. So I understand that you have lived overseas for some of your ministries. Where was that? And can you explain a little bit about what you did there? Surely. I lived on Ebai, which is on the atoll of Kwajalein in the Marshall Islands. Now, the Mar Republic of the Marshall Islands is a group of 29 atolls and five other separate islands. It lies just north of the equator, but extends quite a bit north, and is about halfway between Hawaii and Australia. On Ebai, for one year, I taught eighth grade, and nine years I was in administration for a total of 10 years on Ebai, best years of my life. Sister Paul Mary, I, I know that your living on Ebai really greatly touched your life. Very similarly, that I was transformed during my years of living in Guatemala. That's perfect. Thank you for sharing a little bit about yourself, Sister Paul Mary. We invited you to join us on this podcast because you are a member of the Central Pacific Province Gospel Nonviolence and Just Peace Committee. You also serve on other JPIC committees, but why is this one so important to you? I am privileged to belong to this committee peace and nonviolence, because through it, I am able to work for the elimination of nuclear weapons and ultimately replace war with dialogue and diplomacy. We must first realize that war has never succeeded in bringing peace. Sister Paul Mary, if war can never truly bring about peace, what do you believe will bring peace? The most effective way of accomplishing peace is by prayer coming from a peaceful heart. In addition to this, we must listen and keep lines of communications open. Then we are able to involve others through education and advocacy. So school sisters are great educators, as you have been your entire life, Sister Paul Mary. How would you begin educating our audience on this topic? Many of us have grown up with myths about war. If you don't mind, I think that it would be good for those who are listening if we talked about some of these myths. That sounds like a great way to go. So what is the first one? The first one I want to talk about goes something like this. We have always had war. It is in our nature. However, if that were true, 
Why is it that even as children, we tend to share? In disasters, we reach out to the afflicted. But most telling is the fact that soldiers come back from war with post-traumatic stress disorders. If war were really good for us, in our nature, soldiers would come back refreshed. Oh, you make a good point there. You know, I'd also like to add that if we really believe that we are created in the image and likeness of God, which I do believe, then war, hate, division, you know, cannot be our nature because God's nature is love. Yeah, another myth is that war is good for the economy. True, if you consider the money being made by the military-industrial complex, those companies supplying materiel for the military or for those who are employed by them. However, do we really need jobs whose purpose is to kill not only those perceived as enemy, but as the many innocents called collateral damage. And look at all the economic destruction that takes place during a war. Destroyed infrastructure, loss of homes and livelihoods, disruption and destruction of food supplies. Yeah, I also want to add that the Brown University estimates that the United States spent $5.8 trillion on the war in Afghanistan and the conflict stemming from September 11th attacks. Not only that, we're not just talking about the infrastructure that was lost, but it's about human loss and the human cost. They estimate 3,500 coalition deaths and over 64,000 Afghan military and police who lost their lives, as well as tens of thousands of civilians who have been killed or injured. That's a lot of collateral damage that you mention. Companies who make munitions and their delivery systems provide good-paying jobs. Examples are the four littoral combat ships currently under construction for Saudi Arabia in Marinette, Wisconsin, whose various uses will include monitoring incoming supplies to Yemen, that country already suffering from many problems, and the fleet of 535s under construction that will be based on Truex Field near Madison, Wisconsin. But at what cost does this come? That's a great point. The money spent on the war could be better spent on infrastructure, education, health care, and even on the environment. Not only that, war tends to have the opposite effect, as noted you know, when we see pictures of war-torn communities and cities, it destroys the infrastructure. It actually disrupts education, creates even greater health needs, and damages the environment. Another myth, which I heard just recently from an otherwise well-educated and well-informed friend, is this. Preparing for war makes us safe. The problem is that the more we spend the more will our perceived enemies try to outdo us. Case in point, will the F-35s, with its ability to carry small nuclear weapons, bombs, which is now being touted as the greatest technological invention of our lives, will that stop any country to try to counter it? Isn't it an invitation to compete? That reminds me of the child's game, King of the Hill. 
<laughs> right. Imagine that. If the object of the game is to stay on top of the hill or a pile, then it means that everyone else is continually strategizing how to knock the current king off the hill and take their place. That's really what I hear you saying, Paul Mary. So it means spending more and more money. So in essence, no one wins, or at least not for long. Exactly. And in order to stay on top of the hill, at present, the United States has nearly 800 bases in over 70 countries. For the citizens of these countries, bases provide a catch-22. People do find jobs. However, bases take up much land. They cause pollution of the air, land, and in certain places, the surrounding water. Such is the case with our sisters on Guam and Okinawa, Japan, where our sisters live. You know, our sisters in Guam, they really do know the effects of having a military base on their very small island. And and the negative influences on the Chamorro people and, and on the environment. And then just think of our sisters in Japan who who experienced firsthand the effects of war, and not just war, nuclear war. There are many other myths, but perhaps the most serious myth of all is that possessing nuclear bombs is a deterrent. First, we must realize the horror of the bomb. As bad as the atomic bombing was in Japan, both on Nagasaki and Hiroshima, Castle Bravo, the nuclear bomb dropped on the Atoll of Bikini in the Marshall Islands in 1954, was 1,000 times more powerful than that dropped on Hiroshima. The radiation effects fell on neighboring atolls, including such aberrations as Babies born with no bones, the Marshallese called them jelly babies, conditional thyroid problems, and so on. We often only hear about the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So it is important to remember that the testing that has been done and continues to happen also has an effect on the environment as well as animals and human life. Second, Consider how dangerous it is that a president or chairman of a country which possesses nuclear bombs can declare a first strike. Currently, in the U.S., after a president calls for such a strike, a nuclear bomb can be deployed in 15 minutes. Once a nation releases a nuclear bomb, at least one other nation will retaliate. Can you imagine the devastation? Clearly, the possibilities are immoral. Oh, I agree with that. You know, nine countries possess nuclear weapons, and many of the modern nuclear weapons in the Soviet Union and the United States are thermonuclear, and they have 10 times more explosive power than those dropped in Japan. Let's look at other problems with the many accidents on commercial nuclear-powered plants, such as Fukushima in Japan, Chernobyl in Ukraine, and Three Mile Island in Pennsylvania, United States. These show how deleterious nuclear energy can be. Fifteen countries have nuclear power plants, each having at least one accident. The United States has had 53 accidents. While some accidents cause few deaths, they cause millions of dollars in radiation cleanup. 
really quite frightening. So, Paul Mary, what do you believe is the alternative to war? Fortunately, in addition to dialogue, you mentioned many different forms of diplomacy and peacemaking attempts, which have been tried and proven successful. In fact, gospel nonviolence begins with the many quotes from Jesus, especially the one from Luke 14, 31 to 32, where he talks about sending a delegation to ask for terms of peace. The League of Nations was successful in preventing some conflicts, as does the United Nations. Note the avoidance of nuclear war done by the dialogue between Kennedy and Khrushchev during the Cuban Missile Crisis. In 1994, both the U.S. and North Korea were dangerously close to nuclear Armageddon. Jimmy Carter then acted as an emissary to find common ground with the North Korean regime. The formation of NATO is another example. Perhaps we could consider the development of the European Union as a way of eliminating the competition that used to characterize the separate countries. These are only a few examples found throughout history. In addition to defense diplomacy, there are many examples of culture, trade, and academic diplomacy. Examples include like the Peace Corps, the many groups sponsored by religious orders or congregations such as Jesuit volunteers, musical exchanges, you know, listening to the Russian orchestra on PBS, or even the Olympics or Doctors Without Borders. You know, really, we could go on and on with examples of how we can be about diplomacy, not just defense diplomacy, but other ways of engaging one another and respecting one another and and really enjoying each other's differences. These are all really great examples. So Sister Paul Mary, how do you feel we get there? Well, first, keep our own being in peace. Pray. We work towards solving issues instead of siding with different groups. In our personal and relationships and conversations, let us listen to friends who speak from a different perspective. Ask why, what if, what then type of question. Ask for specifics. Some people have their opinions so solid that change seems impossible. There is no point in arguing. In all circumstances, we must keep lines of communication open. We continue to share facts rather than unsubstantiated innuendos. Well, I can appreciate those, that invitation for in our personal relationships and a personal level. But what can we do at a societal level to bring about peace? We must advocate with Congress. Current issues include the following. Repeal the president's authority to use military force. This is a law put into effect after 9-11. Our Constitution gives the right to declare war to Congress. However, in 2001, Congress gave this authority to the president. Every president since then has used this authority to use military force often. We've seen Iraq, the Gulf War, Afghanistan, and other instances. Then we must use the the many other diplomatic ways that Anna Marie mentioned, other diplomatic solutions. 
use this instead. And in addition, we must cut the Pentagon budget. It's strange to me that we did not blink an eye over the five plus trillion dollars spent in Afghanistan, in Iraq, and other places, plus the cost of human lives. Yet we quibble over the 3.5 to be spent in the next 10 years for the good of our citizens. Another thing that we can do is settle Afghan refugees, as well as revising the status of refugees and immigrants other than the Afghans. And then let's use voter voice. These include such issues as the Haitian refugees, DACA, how our taxpayer money is being spent in Honduras, and others. Finally, we must ensure that all people in our country have the right to use their votes, that everybody has a right to vote. I could not agree more. While you have given us a lot to think about, Sister Paul Mary, as we study and reflect on the SSND corporate stance on gospel nonviolence and just peace, for more information about gospel nonviolence and just peace, you can go to our website at www.ssndcp.org. On our podcast page, you can find a link to Voter Voice, as well as sources and materials to help you understand this topic more. We will even have a new theological reflection for your use. You know, in the corporate stance, uh, we talk about the importance of praying for peace. And you mentioned that earlier when you were speaking, Sister Paul Mary. Could you draw our time together to a close with the prayer, Artisans of Peace? Yes, thank you. O creative spirit of God, come awaken our spirits to the call to be artisans of peace. Let us dream again. Let us hope again. Let us discover again. Let us discover courage, nonviolence, compassion. Let us discover again ways to help the oppressed, the suffering, ways to create peace nonviolently. O creative spirit of God, strengthen our faith. Fill us with compassionate love. Make us true artisans of peace. Amen. Thank you, Sister Paul Mary, for joining us today. I really enjoyed exploring this aspect of our corporate stance on gospel nonviolence and just peace with you both. Thank you, Caitlin. Thank you, Anna Marie. Thank you. It's a pleasure to, to be together today. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about the School Sisters of Notre Dame Central Pacific Province, visit our website at www.ssndcp.org. I hope you join us for our next conversation, airing every other Thursday. You can subscribe to our podcast through Apple Podcasts or listen on Spotify. Thank you for your support and have a wonderful day.